Amen. Well, the scripture reading I have for you today is from Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. And just as a reminder, I know several of you already signed up, but um, if you're interested in being a scripture reader, if you get tired of hearing my voice, uh, you can sign up back there at the table in the, the narthex in the lobby, and uh, you would then read this sermon passage and also the Lectio Divina, which I will coach you through if that's something you're uh, interested in doing. If not, I'm happy to read. I like, I like it, actually. So this is the text from Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Hear the word of the Lord. Paul says, Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand, and we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured, poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Indeed, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, someone might actually dare to die. But God proves his love for us and that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Much more surely then, now that we have been justified by his blood, will we be saved through him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more surely, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life. But more than that, we even boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. So this is the last week that um, I'm going to be talking about pain and suffering and evil. Uh, walked you through, this is the fourth week that we've been talking about it. It's pretty heavy uh, stuff to be preaching on, and, but, I, but I also realized that it's perhaps the most important topic that we can address. And so you can probably count on me preaching on this maybe three or four weeks every year because I feel it's so important. And if, if you haven't picked up on that by now, then I'm, I'm not sure you were listening to me. <laughs> just, just kidding. But uh, today I'm going to start by just telling you a made-up example, a tale, of, a, a tale of two persons. And it's completely made up, and I, I intentionally did it this way, because I don't want anybody to feel judgment when I'm talking about these two different possibilities of how we can respond to pain and suffering, but rather just to think more deeply about how is it that we respond? How is it that we respond? There's no judgment in it, but just thinking about ourselves. So this is a tale of two persons, two Christians, and both suffered the exact same tragic loss. They lost a parent at a very young age, say in their, their mid-twenties. 
And both of these Christians ask the question of why did God allow this to happen? One was terribly traumatized by the loss. Understandably so. They lost a parent. And the impacts of the trauma for that person affect, that, that affected them so much that it snuffed the joy out of the rest of that person's adult life. Just completely took the joy out of their, the rest of their life. It made it difficult for them to love their spouse. made it difficult for them to love their children, to be vulnerable, be vulnerable enough to make friends, or to even be in any kind of community whatsoever because the pain of that loss was so much that they just couldn't bear to open themselves up any longer. Essentially, they were stuck in that pain. The other person, also a Christian, also traumatized by the loss, asked the same questions of meaning and purpose while experiencing that loss, and frankly, not entirely convinced by their pastor's answers (laughs) about why God would let this happen. But nonetheless, that person went on to heal from the trauma, still sad for the loss, but grew to be able to help others who experienced similar pain. They became a person who was patient, joy-filled, grateful, and forgiving. And they became a mentor to everybody who knew them, whether they realized it or not. What was the difference between these two persons? Same trauma, but different outcomes with the rest of their life. All those details are the same. What what was the difference? It was their response. The response to what happened to them. I want to use uh, a very specific example uh, from this book. The author of this book, you may have heard of it. This book is called Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor E. Frankl. Now this uh, story that's told in the first half of this book is about this guy who, I'll just read it to you, Viktor Frankl, who was a psychiatrist who, between the years 1942 and 1945, labored in four different uh, camps, uh, Nazi Germany camps, including Auschwitz, while his parents, brother, and pregnant wife perished. Based on his own experience and the stories of many patients, Frankl argues that we cannot avoid suffering, but we can choose how to cope with it, to find meaning in it, and move forward with renewed purpose. It's a pretty amazing uh, story. I've just started to begin reading the book. But basically, what this man who experienced pain and suffering and trauma, way worse than any of us could even comprehend, even through reading his story, he deduced from his experience that what matters most in life is not suffering, because we all suffer, but rather how we respond to it. So response, you see, is the difference that was made. These two people, going back to the tale of these two people, they didn't choose the trauma. That was an evil outside of their control. But they chose their responses. Now there's a difference between our initial response and our long-term response. So if I break my leg... Of course, my initial response would be to cry and scream and maybe, if, no, if none of you are around, say some swear words. <laughs> because I just broke my leg, give me a break. That's my initial response. But if after getting my leg healed and patched up and I'm doing the proper recovery, if I continue to really obsess about my leg, well, now it's becoming 
uh, an improper response to that suffering. You'd say, well, just be patient, Pastor. It's going to get better. I might need to change my response or my attitude or my posture towards that event. Biblically speaking, we should always respond to pain and suffering through honest lament to God. That's what we talked about last week, is that uh, suffering should invoke in us a response of saying, why are you doing this, God? This is incredibly painful. And if we can do that, if we can just be honest with God about what we're experiencing, we can release the burden of our pain and suffering, realize that Jesus, too, has gone through a similar type of suffering, and then we can open ourselves up to receive the grace that God wants to pour out into our lives. But if we deny that, if we don't uh, cry out in a lament, then we just hang on to the pain and to the burden. So biblically speaking, we should always respond to pain and suffering first through honest lament. And some suffering is more painful or long-lasting than others. But again, if I were to break my, let's just say it this way, spiritual leg, of course it's going to take some time before I can begin to move on. But after a while, I can take on a posture of acceptance and commitment to growth, commitment to healing and believe that in the future things will get better in some way, in some form. Our text today from Romans gives us an image of the Christian posture towards suffering, saying that a long-term response for the Christian is to actually boast in our sufferings. It's something we read in other places in the Bible as well, that we shouldn't try and avoid suffering or say, oh, God can't exist because we suffer but rather to boast in our suffering, to take pride in it, to actually say, well, it's not fun to go through. We're actually in some weird way grateful for our suffering. It's not exactly the response that we think of when it comes to suffering, but Paul goes on to say that we can boast because we know, which implies certainty that, let me just read to you from the text itself. We know this, That suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, which has been given to us. I'd like you to look at the progression here. See how suffering actually produces endurance, and endurance actually produces character And character is what eventually leads to hope. So you could move backwards in this progression and see that each one is dependent upon the one prior. So you can't actually grow in character, certainly not in Christ-like character, unless you're able to tolerate pain. Unless you're able to sit with the pain and be honest about what it's doing to you and say, "I I have the strength to tolerate this pain, which is, by definition, what endurance is. Endurance is growing strong in the face of pain, like a marathon runner grows endurance by going through the the stages of pain required to build that said endurance. And endurance and character, those are the processes of growth which by itself produces hope. And so we can trust in this process. We can trust in the hope that comes from growth and character. Why? Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. This passage starts by saying that we are standing in God's grace. 
So we boast in the work that Christ has done to make us one with him. And we also boast in the fact that not even our suffering can separate us from him. Suffering is what actually makes us like him. And the fact that we are growing through suffering becomes the evidence that God is with us. But if we're not willing to to grow and experience the pain and to turn to God in that pain and suffering and instead say, well, God has abandoned us, well, then we can't grow and we actually rob ourselves of the evidence that Christ is there with us, working in our hearts. Now, I love how this text starts out when we say, Paul says, I'll just read this part again. We are justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand. We're standing in grace. and We're one with God. So when I think about standing in the grace of God, I picture a, a river, like the river of grace. That's just what, ever since this passage kind of stood out to me many years ago, I, I just kind of envisioned that. What is it like to stand in God's grace? That's a powerful vision that we can have. Standing in God's grace. And then recently, uh, since I moved here, I've been driving down to the uh, Quarry Pond Park. Down, uh, you've got to turn on 90 and go across the Blue Earth River. And so we drive across the Blue Earth River. And recently, this summer, during the uh, drought, I've noticed that people were literally out there standing in the river because it's so low. (laughs) And it seems like every week, every time I go by, it's lower and it's lower. And people are standing further and further out into the river. And I thought, that's kind of what it's like to stand in God's grace. You're standing in the river. Now, when you're standing in the river, you don't know what's going to come your way. It could be anything. That's out of your control. It could be a fish. It could be a snake. It could be a log. It could be something worse that's going to hurt your foot. Now, the river might even dry up. But that, too, is out of your control. Your choice in that moment is to stand in the river or to not stand in the river. That's just the choice. And the same is true with God's grace. If we're standing in the river of God's grace, we can't control any of the things that come down the river. We have no control over that. Anything can come. Good things, bad things, terrible things. We can't actually change that reality. And so often when we find ourselves in suffering, we say, but I want different things to come down the river doesn't work that way, does it? I think you know that just as well as I do. We can't choose that reality. But we can choose to stand in the river of God's grace. Technically, theologically speaking, we can't step out of God's grace. It's impossible. (laughs) We've read several texts that emphasize that nothing can separate us from the love of God. But we can block ourselves from God's grace. We can close ourselves off to the outside world. We can over-identify with our pain. To cut off, literally, from the joy and the peace, the love and hope that God is wanting to offer us despite our suffering. That's a choice that we make. And no one can force us to do otherwise. A tale of two persons. What's the difference? The difference is their response. What's the difference in their response? One stepped out of the river of grace and the other stood firmly in it. Still wondering, 
still questioning, still wrestling with why and even being mad at God at times, but continuing to allow God's grace to be poured into their lives through the church, through other people, through reading scripture, through prayer, through service to others, through small group, through worship, through songs, so on and so forth. Continuing to stand in the river of God's grace is a choice that makes healing and growth possible in the face of human suffering. We can make intentional choices not to stand in God's grace. How often do we see this? People stop coming to church because they can't, they can't fathom why God would do this, but they actually stop. So the very place they could try and find answers and be loved and nurtured through that suffering, they cut themselves off from. They have serious questions about God and life, but don't press on and allow God to answer those questions in time. Or maybe we create a church culture that doesn't allow those questions in the first place. I don't think that's the case here. But in some churches it is, that you're not supposed to ask questions. The folks who are in Alpha right now realize that asking questions is a very important part of our, our faith. Such people who cut themselves off from God's grace might turn cynical towards, lives, toward, towards life and towards others, which turning cynical then uh, involves losing gratitude for the blessings that we still have, turning to something or someone else to heal our pain, which can't produce the endurance, the character, and the hope that God's love and grace does. Standing in the river of God's grace in the midst of of or following suffering produces these spiritual fruits. Patience, gratitude, mercy, forgiveness, Christ-like character, resilience, and wisdom. And the thing is, friends, most of these characteristics can't be grown without some kind of hardship in life. You can't develop resilience, you can't become stronger in your spiritual walk if everything's just good all the time. It's just impossible. In the same way, to use the, uh, to use the marathon runner example, they can't develop endurance and strength without going through the pain that's required in the training. The same is true for our spiritual strength. We, we cannot grow these characteristics that are related to Christ-like character without going through some kind of hardship. And what's unfair about suffering is that some experience intense pain and suffering while others seemingly don't experience much at all. So I wonder today, uh, in the tale of two persons, which one do you relate to the most? Sometimes we can say, well, I stand in the river of grace, but sometimes we can be tough. We just say, I'm, I'm tough to endure suffering or hardship. And we actually make our souls more calloused than, than anything. We endure suffering or hardship without standing in the river of God's grace. That's, it's not like that's a bad thing, that people just grow tough uh, from the pain and hardship in their life. But just being tough versus receiving God's grace through suffering doesn't produce godly endurance, doesn't produce godly character, and it doesn't produce hope in God that's based on God's action in our hearts. Again, how do we know that we can trust God because in the face of suffering we sense that God is working within our own heart because of the presence of the Holy Spirit. That's how we know 
So if we just resolve to be tough through suffering or to really uh, white-knuckle it, rather than letting go of our lives and receiving the grace that God wants to give us through our church, through our spiritual disciplines, through this community, well, then we can't actually grow in these godly fruits of endurance and character, leading to a hope in what God might do. Which one do you relate to most? Again, uh, I'm not offering this question as any form of judgment. Many of you have experienced far worse suffering than I maybe ever will. But my hope is that we could be honest with ourselves so that we could see when the tough questions come about pain and suffering, do I just try and figure it out on my own or do I turn to the Lord and allow God to teach me in time the answers to or lead me towards some of the answers of these mysteries, some of which we'll never know. What I've seen in my life is that the most amazing people have often experienced some of the worst suffering in life. The most amazing people that I know, personally, have experienced the most dark times. And they've lamented. They've cried out to God, maybe even for years. But they continued to believe that they were standing in God's grace. And they believed that God's grace had been poured out into their heart by the power of the Holy Spirit. Those types of people, those types of people, have the greatest impact on others and they actually change others because everyone suffers. And those who lean on God's grace through suffering learn endurance, grow in character, and have a hope that actually inspires others as they witness the Lord working in your life. My prayer, friends, is that we could all reflect upon how fully we're standing in God's grace and to say, Lord, help me to open my heart to receive more of the grace that you want to pour in. Help me to be strengthened by you. Help me to not become cynical, but instead to trust in you and to grow in Christ-like character and hope so that we could inspire others by letting your Holy Spirit work within us. Amen.